to the Beers of Bands podcast with your host, Michael Torres. What do you think is uh, the meaning of life? The meaning of life. Uh, you know, it's 42 and it'll always be 42. Oh, the, the book, the space book. <laughs> I remember reading this Wikipedia article. Um, all right, so what I'll do is I'll crack this beer uh, and then kind of do a little intro and then bring you all in. Um, also, I just, I so this is like the fourth video one that I've done. And I realized after editing the first three that my Zoom was not picking up the crack. So if you don't hear it, let me know and I'll crack another one uh, to make sure it gets in there. All right. All right. Wait, have you, you guys cracked your beers yet? We can do another one. Oh yeah, we, we have already, but we can. If you, if you want to take partake. Yes. Oh, so Two I beers also, is definitely a okay. I picked up here for today. Hey, boy. Pretty psyched on the choices I made here. I'm doing the football one. Okay. Woo! Go, Mark! Go, Mark! Oh, that is a good one. I'm going to try this. So we picked out only Philly beers. Okay, tight. Uh, we tried to pick out ones that were as football themed as possible. Okay. So Sly Fox is like the Yingling of Philadelphia. Okay. I don't know if that means anything. Yingling's not that far away from Philadelphia to begin with. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. I probably don't know what I mean, but someone will. Anyway. All right. In three, two, one. How many times have we been down this road before? What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Beers of Bands. Uh, this week, you know, you know how I do. I keep I keep uh, talking to all these Philly bands because I guess you know Philly they got something in the water. I don't know what it is, but uh, maybe we'll find out on this episode. But tonight I'm sitting down with uh, the new homies and Booze Radley. How y'all doing? Pretty good. Good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. And it's uh, mostly lead in the water. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Okay. You know, Steel Town makes sense. You know, Rust Belt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, like I, like I already mentioned, uh, thank you all for for reaching out to be down to be on an episode. Um, I mean, you guys are putting out some some great stuff. And for people that aren't aware, uh, Booze Radley, uh, kind of like how you guys put it on your socials, is a is a bummer rock band. Uh, you know, and on this new EP that we'll talk about here in a little bit, you're gonna find a little bit of everything, uh, which is kind of cool. But before we get there, I feel like it's only fair, especially now, uh, since I haven't really mentioned it on the previous three episodes. Uh, obviously, this is a video version now. Uh, I'm still doing the audio ones, so now we can see all the lovely people that I'm sitting down with. Um, if you if you want to start uh, on either side and kind of go through and say who you are and what you do in Booze Radley. Uh, oh. Um... I'm Alex Rescue, and I sing usually nice. Oh, the weed and the beer mix. Now we're gonna like Ninja Turtle weed. Uh, it's just more to clean up. Uh, I uh, 
I guess Dylan and I have been friends since like elementary school or so. And I don't think I knew then that we were going to work on music together, but um, we kind of all do the same stuff. So like I sing, Dylan sings, I play guitar, everyone else in the band plays guitar as well. But I get stuck with it when we play shows, so yeah, it's a it's hard it's hard to play. I play guitar and we sing. I play guitar and I sing, and, That's, I, and yeah. it's hard. <laughs> and other people can do it better than me in the band. So yeah. uh, I'm Yusuf, and I play bass and sing if there's a microphone available at the venue. Okay, easier answer. Yeah, I'm trying to cover. For I'm Dylan. Dylan. I spill the beer and clean up in the background. <laughs> uh, in the band, I play keys and I sing. Uh, every once in a while, I play guitar. Okay. You started as a bass player. True. You did. I am the second bass player of Blue Bradley. Okay. No one's allowed to quit the band rule, but. <laughs> so, like, so at some point, do you think you'll just become like a, a crazy, like, just all these, like, fill in people? If no one's allowed to quit, you just keep bringing people in and just never let them leave? I hope so. Yeah, I could see uh, I could see our EP just being us and then features of whoever yes. we music with. <laughs> Working yeah. on the Blues Rally Jones town as we speak. Um, well, I mean, uh, uh, what you guys are putting out is super great, and uh, obviously, we're here to talk about uh, what'll be, I think, your fourth or fifth EP. Um, I think I saw you guys start, obviously started in 2013. You guys, I think I saw like 12 releases so far, four EPs, and this one's four or five. Uh, uh, did I miscount? Uh, uh, this will be six. What? Six. Okay. Yeah. That counts an EP. Well, this will be six tracks. Um, oh. Wow. We, we have an EP um, that was our first release, Whitechapel Nights. Then. We did a split with Luke McGowan. That was two, like an acoustic. Two splits, two EPs, some singles, and and the album. Yeah, and the album. So but yeah, five, the six. way that the way that Bandcamp categorizes it is oh. a little different than like what's it up just, on other streaming services. So, but like our main releases are our first EP, our album, and. Um, other than that, we just have like some one-off kind of releases that we did on mostly on like Bandcamp and comps and stuff. Mm -hmm. So this will really be like our second actual EP. Okay. Uh, and for people that aren't aware, it is called I really love this name, Lose Badly. Uh, you know. It happens soon enough. <laughs> uh, but it's a nice little six-song EP. Uh, you know. And I kind of like how I think I saw it on your Instagram. You guys put a little description kind of as to what this EP is going to be about. Um, and it's, you know, like a, basically like a compilation of sounds that you guys have done over like the last nine years of, of doing Booze Radley. Um, and you can definitely see it. I mean, there's, um, like I was kind of mentioning at the beginning, like there's some, there's some emo, there's some pop punk, there's some punk. Uh, I feel like a, a little vibes from like nineties hardcore. There's some grunginess in there, uh, kind of spread throughout the EP and, I think overall, like it, it came out very well, and, and I'm stoked for uh, you know, obviously I've listened to it, uh, but the episode isn't out yet. But I'm stoked for everyone else to finally hear it when it's fully released. Thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah, I, we've been just kind of getting together and demoing like a bunch for the past like 
well, however long COVID's been. So what, over two and a half years at this point. And so like we had, I don't know, geez, probably like at least 40 half songs in our Google Drive that's just shared between us of like guitar and bass. And sometimes there's keys or like sometimes there's like electric drum set drums added to it. And so like this EP is really just like the first six songs that were actually finished from those sessions. And we were just like, well, it doesn't really need to be super coherent if it's just gonna be an EP. So let's just like <laughs> polish them up, like sequence it and, um, you know, clean them up as good as we can. And then this will buy us a little bit of time while we figure out making like a more coherent LP uh, out of the rest of the tracks that we've recorded. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I saw that, like, obviously, uh, I don't know which one of you I was, I was, uh, DMing with, but we had talked, uh, you know, a couple months ago and it was like in different stages. And obviously if people are like up to date on, on social media, like you'll see when, uh, you dropped like, um, the first single, it said like coming August. So now it's like, yeah. I know there's been a lot of things, you know, kind of going on. I think you broke your, like your collarbone. Oh, yeah. um, so, so there was one thing going on, but, uh, um, uh yeah. yeah, I forgot about that shit. I keep forgetting about that shit. Honestly, like I, I was just thinking, like, uh, geez, a couple months ago, I couldn't like wipe my ass. I couldn't jerk off. I couldn't go to the shower. I couldn't do anything. Like my collarbone was fucked. Like I broke it in two places. It was gnarly. Uh, and then I just went to physical therapy for like three months straight and didn't talk to anyone and went into like a very dark place and then I was like uh I think of the scene from the thing John Carpenter's the thing where he's like I'm all better I want to come back inside now <laughs> that's I was like all right well my arm works again and then we played but like, we played one show luckily only with my collarbone destroyed uh and I played shaker which was the most awkward thing I've ever had to do I think in the band it had, it had to be at least one like uh you know, one time to humiliate me. <laughs> uh, no, but also like on top of that, like we, there's such a pressure to like get everything out at the right schedule quick enough at the right time of year, at the right time of the week, at the right hour of the day. And like, I was kind of fried on that mentality after like the past couple of years, especially because we worked so hard and compromised so much for our album to get, to hit those points. And like it was kind of there was some like reward to doing that but like after covid and like that throttling any chance we had to promote the album i was like well you know what society pushed us into this model so i'm taking it like we're gonna take our fucking time like it'll be out when it's out we're not going to compromise at all we're just gonna work on it i don't care if an ep takes a year or six months or whatever i want it to sound like how it should sound when it's out yeah, you want to set goals to have it done so you can get it done, but then you also want to put the best thing out. Yeah. But you don't want to, okay, it's August, but it's half done and doesn't sound so it's good. It's out. worth pushing it and people being like, oh, we've been waiting at least to put something out. That and like, truth be told, out. like, we just got uh, the tracks off for getting, like, uh, dubbed and we um, are, our guitarists uh does he's like a pretty good mixer and master person like career wise as well that's what they do um and 
their monitors blew up, like the capacitors in their monitors exploded. And they fixed it by hand by buying new capacitors and soldering it and shit. Yeah, it's all, everything is done in-house too, yeah. so it makes it a lot harder to finish on time. Right. But, all the recording, yeah. except for the drums, I think. Yeah, we go to a place for the drums, but above that. Yeah. But, um, so Vince mixed and mastered it, and then like a week ago, Vince is like, oh, I just got my uh, in-warranty like replacement monitors back, like separate of the ones that they fixed on their own. Like, I'm going to mix it again and master it again. So we just got two more final mixes and masters <laughs> last week. And they do sound better. I was bitching and moaning about like the uh, compression being like a little too flimsy and weak sounding. And then I, Monday morning this week, I throw my earbuds in like cheap little ones from Rite Aid. And I'm like, it feels like the kick drum's kicking me in the eardrum. Like, I was like, fuck, like a little less. But so we're definitely going to have uh, a slight difference probably on what goes to tape versus what goes out digitally. But I think. I think it'll, we were joking like, fuck, that accident might work well because the compression that we did originally might work better for tape. So it's a happy accident, I guess. All works out in the end. Yeah. But so everything's falling together at the time that it needed to, yeah. I guess, is my point. Well, I mean, uh, like, like you said, uh, you know, you want to put out something that you're fully uh, content with and it, and it sounds how you guys want it to sound. Um, so, I mean, society really did kind of screw everyone over with this new you know the model to release schedule um like i have buddies that you know they're putting out singles like every couple months to lead up to actually they keep putting them out but they haven't led up to anything they're just like we have to be producing content and content and content and content it's like me being like an old school listener i'd rather have like maybe one to two singles and then just drop like the ep or or the the record when it's ready um because i like to listen to something like cohesively like all in like one sitting rather than like oh yeah you guys put out something like three months ago but this is completely different now yeah, um, yeah. like i forget about everything else so you know no um, harm no foul to like taking the time to do that yeah yeah i mean well with the original like when we dropped the singles we were definitely planning for like an august release um but we hadn't even like we pushed the fall by then we hadn't like contemplated like really like oh yeah we still have to send it to like press outlets and to like labels and like what is their timetable going to be with like a physical release of like getting tape stuff so well, it takes a week right well i mean <laughs> <laughs> i'm joking but so like we just we definitely had everything tracked by august um but like the mixes weren't up to our standards and we didn't have like the opportunity to send it out mm -hmm. to places until everybody signed off on the mixes. So like, you know, just making sure everybody's on the same page of like, actually, yeah, I'm happy with how the drums sound and how it's balanced. Um, I couldn't play shows to promote it, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah. just a mix of a life of and, and uh, attention to detail. Uh, March seems to be like a good time for us um, and it worked out because it's going to come out on tape and digital at the same time rather than having like a some kind of bifurcated release. I was so. actually just thinking about that earlier. I was like, yeah, what if we like put it out on tape? We can cut this if this is a stupid <laughs> part, but 
Uh, so what if we put it out on tape for like a month before putting a digital? That'd be pretty funny. Ooh, we're that hip. We're that cool. Nobody can listen to it unless you buy it. Yeah. <laughs> what you do is you take money out. You put money in the stock prices of uh, cassette players before that <laughs> to fully capitalize. Yeah, yeah, zero, four, five cents. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking right, man. No, I mean, I mean, it would be cool. Like, you know what? You know what would really like uh, humor me is like seeing a tape rip of the. <laughs> I would just rip it myself for my own show. You'll be like, where'd this come from? <laughs> no, no, no. But it's coming and, you know, we're excited because I was like, I'm going to feel a little shitty still. I'm like, I want to go back to promoting the stuff that we release and playing it well and practicing like weekly, bi weekly, whatever, like we normally do. But I was like cold, bones hurt still. It was really a shame because like Dylan and I were going to the gym like every week, maybe twice a week sometimes before I broke my collarbone and I was like rocky fighting to <laughs> like do this. But then yeah, just bad luck. So uh with these tapes, are you guys gonna do like any cool uh like color waves for them or or uh, just like classic clear black? We definitely are, but I don't really want to say what it is yet. So That's we, totally fine. So we have two different. Uh, yeah, there's two different ones. I yeah, guess. two different colors, um, and it's going to be like, like a run of fifty, and it's going to kind of follow the theme of the album art um, that that Alex's sister did, like oh, some yeah. graphic design for, and it was like definitely inspired by like old school like 3d glasses kind and of color scheme stuff um, like so just having like like the double overlaid like red and blue version of the image um so that's kind of what influenced the colors that'll be out on tape in a couple months well since Sweet. Dylan basically described it exactly it's gonna be uh, <laughs> oh, it's gonna be a red and blue tape well, but, uh, okay, I won't go any further than it's that. It's not really red and blue. Yeah, that's fair. It's an illusion tape. They're interesting. Yeah. They're cool looking, and uh, the label was like, is it, like, do you need to do two of them? And I was, <laughs> I was like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, well, do you need us to, like, buy the tapes? You've been like, I don't know. I don't care. Like, let's just do it. Like, but they, no, they were like, all right, if you insist. I think, you know, We've sold other tapes for our album that like sold pretty like okay. They we got rid of them. This is the point, you know. Like that's so the goal. I wasn't nervous about getting rid of them, but like I can totally understand because like I when we were in like high school, we would make CDs and shit, and like you put your own money into that, and then you're stuck with this crap that you can't get rid of, even though you're proud of it, and you're carrying it around in your backpack trying to convince people to buy it from you, and it's like you know. I remember what was it like the HP laser engraving thing for discs we did yeah. that way and stuff. But so I, it's just a huge. Uh, like, I was looking up prices for those recently. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> we could totally just make Go back to this. I can get an external <laughs> USB disc drive. Right. Fifty copies. Get some dual slim cases. You can borrow my external disk drive that I have right. the Dreamcast. That'll, that'll cut costs down yeah. even more. So but you no, get CDs too with the tapes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. So that we have more than like the 
the free stickers that yeah. Alex prints out at his job to give out at shows. I've also seen bands do like their own like hand splatter tapes and stuff, and like oh, yeah. that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I'm too lazy to do that, but it's still <laughs> like uh, I mean, yeah, it's a tough one, but yeah, no, we're excited about that, and I think probably that'll be coming up in like I assume March, but we'll probably be able to announce it next month. I think. Yeah, but well, uh, so. Yeah. This episode, I, I do have it pla planned to come out the 17th of February. That sounds Yeah, that should be good, because yeah. we're planning on a March 10th release, so that'd be good. Well, in that case, uh, yeah, so Lonely Ghost Records is going to put it out, and we're putting it out on Clear uh, clear Pink and Clear Cyan. So oh, yeah. Five each for the first one will be pretty fun. And uh, if we can fit some extra goofiness on the secret tail end of the taping, like, so. Well, I'm I'm stoked to stoked for that. Shout out to uh, to Lonely Ghost because you know had a uh, Super Destroyer on the podcast and you know great dude doing uh, amazing things and I'm I'm stoked that you guys are partnering up for that. Yeah, it's so oh, yeah. so fun. And uh, I just DM them uh, on the SEPTA bus home from work. I was like, anything I should like say? Like I don't know, anything you want me to say or anything you should say or whatever. And they're just like, uh, like, um, hey, I love you. Uh, new release is good. New Hodera release is good. Personally, uh, I can't stop fucking with the new with the last year's Cheem album. Yeah, I also really like the New Use EP that they put out. I can't listen to that one yet. Myself, it's like very like nineties like. It's all stuff that like, it's all stuff that I would have like. 100% downloaded on LimeWire. Like, <laughs> so like that's why I'm like psyched. I'm like, yes, yeah. this is like the music that was too good for us to be involved in when we were pirating it on LimeWire. Right. Frost uh, real ones. <laughs> well, to kind of hop back into this EP, uh, like I mentioned at the beginning, it's six songs. Uh, you know, like... <sighs> Like I said, there, there's a there's a range of like sounds on this, and for me it was kind of hard to think to like pick of like a, a top song for me just because there's all those different ranges where I'm like, I mean, you start off with uh, uh, hold on, I have the I have the tracks up on my other screen so I don't like butcher any names, but you start out with like white guy emo, which as someone that listens to like ninety percent of like emo in my daily like life and just like get sad all the time and then that came on i was like well fuck like are you guys are coming in strong with this like what am i gonna do here uh and then like you yeah. know you get to crash and burn and like it just like it, that one gets sad and then you have like i made a point in my notes like the sound clip in crash and burn tied in with that song is probably my favorite combination of sound clips that you guys use on this ep hmm. uh um <laughs> yeah. but then like you kind of get to you get to like the later half of the, the ep and you get to like um you know nothing to lose which obviously is already out for some people to listen to but like it kind of has that like heavierness to it and it's like fuck like this is the also stuff that i'm like super into so it's so hard to like pick the right lane just because there's so many good bangers on this is basically what i'm saying like 10 out of 10 thank you so much yeah, like you said, when, when we started doing this, it was during COVID, and then we were doing it the best that we could with the way that everything was shut down and, and travel-wise. 
but we kind of just did it on a whim. We just went in, like we just came up with different parts that we really liked. And a lot of it came out organically. And we grew up listening to a lot of the 90s hardcore and punk. And white guy emo is kind of like a joke at ourselves as a band too. Because we were, we were also those emo kids too. You know? So it's kind of like self-reflective. But we just came out with it and we're like, these are the songs we like. Uh, put it together as organically as possible. I don't, it usually I think, tends to be the best way. Thank you so much for what you said. Uh, but yeah, I think we, it just came out with our sound of everything that we grew up liking and listening to. As I was jokingly saying to uh, my coworker the other day, I was like, it's kind of like if we uh, covered Warped Tour 2012 compilation, just as ourselves, like one man. Yeah. They were trying to hit all the things that we like in one place, but it was, uh, there were, you know, it's tricky because like, we did our first EP was meant to be like a like a mission statement for the album, kinda like you know like we have this idea of a sound and a thing we want to go for, and I think we did okay with that, and like I think we did okay with this, but I'm I I look at it as like a bunch of it's like a sampler or something like a te- I almost feel like a teaser, and I'm like to me as a fan of my own band and my bandmates and. And I guess myself, which is not something I'm usually shy about, but uh, it, it it did kind of unfortunately leave me wanting more of it. I was like, shit, like now we gotta finish this album now. Damn it, like it's gonna take forever. Like so, I don't know. but yeah. Thank you. Was, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. We got a 17-minute teaser for an album that may years eventually out. come out, like the last <laughs> five years. Yeah. yeah. We'll put other stuff out in the meantime, I'm sure. You know. Yeah, we got a uh, little shit going on. Like a collection of covers that will be coming out as well. Um, there'll be like six or seven covers that we're going to put out on streaming. So that's just basically like um, every like one off that we've done for a compilation that was like covering another band. We're just going to put it all out under one release remastered so that's something that our other guitarist has been working on with his there's a couple of new tracks on it new monitors yeah uh one of you sent me two of the tracks today uh which i don't want to give anything away spoil spoilers for anyone that's out there that might not have heard some of those but uh one is up on on Bandcamp for sure and, and it was yoke by uh by basement which basement is like one of my favorite bands uh and you guys took it in such a unique way and kind of made it your own because uh for a lot of people that are listening and, and are familiar with that song you know it's kind of a little bit faster paced i think it's only like a two two and a half minute song or something like that and you guys take it uh kind of just bring it down slow and and uh you know just make it your own in that uh unique way and like it took me a second at first i was like why does this sound so familiar but i was so used to just like like the fast pace just going right at, for it so it took me a second but uh uh, and then okay. the other the other track that uh, got sent over, I, I also you know it's a classic track, and uh, you guys did it well as well. Yeah, that was there was like a New Year's where our friends just wouldn't stop doing the whoa whoa woes from <laughs> from that Jimmy Eat World track. So like then we were just like, yeah, like we'll do we'll do a cover song for this comp. Um, that that was actually how we met Lonely Ghost. Um, they were like putting out tweets saying like hey who wants to be on this 90s cover cop oh. and um 
Well, like technically uh, Sweetness came out in 2001, but it was supposed to be on their 1999 album. And so they were playing it live um, in the wow. 90s, technically. So I was, I was just like, well, actually. It's <laughs> um, so every, all of our friends just kept doing the we on, on a New Year's. So we, we were like, hey, you know that song that you won't stop fucking singing? Like, come, come track gang vocals for the chorus because we're covering it. And so they all came and did it. And then we got like nine of our friends on a song. So that was a lot of fun. And that was like kind of how we were networking during the pandemic. It was just like, oh, this like online tape label is like putting together a comp. Let's do it. And then they have a group chat and you see the other bands that are doing it. And then you all hear like, the not quite finished versions of the tracks and you like give each other notes and then you're checking out their like all the other bands releases and chatting them in private dms and like that was just kind of how you had to network for lockdown and it was like okay well we weren't as active in our local scene before covid shut down and now that we don't have one we really need to like do what we can and seek out and see like who who even is in the game these days right and it was great. Like I've met a lot of new friends that way that now that the world has, now that we're all ignoring COVID, you know, uh, <laughs> I've met them in real life and <laughs> gone to concerts and stuff. So I have, um, to make, I have to clear one thing up though, which is just that uh, the slowed down acoustic version of Yoke, I heard myself uh, from basement at the Union Transfer, or no, at the TLA. Okay. They did like an encore where they came out with acoustic guitars and played it. And I was like, yeah. rules. And I was like, I want to learn how to play it that way. And then I did. And then I recorded it and I didn't even think any more about it. And then I don't remember exactly why, but we were dicking around about something or other. And we're like, run for cover records rules. And then uh No, there was an there was another comp that we wanted to be on. And so me and our guitarist Vince um oh that's we right. really like captain we're sinking and so we covered lake by captain we're sinking um and and i was like basement and and captain we're sinking are both run for cover bands so we'll just put these out on our band camp two songs run for covers and that was that so yeah. we're remastering both of them and gonna put this on like an ep of does sound better now can. I recorded it really hot on my computer. I don't, I'm not with Pro Tools, so like I'm getting there, but not, yeah, it's too late. You can either get there. I'm over, we're getting, getting there. Yeah. Now, side question. And then it's like, make it sound acceptable, please. <laughs> right. Uh, now, let's say for that 90s comp uh, that if Lonely Ghost would have put their foot down and was like, no, it did not actually come out in the 90s. Well, then what, we would have entry for the 2000s cover comp that they put out like a year later. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna ask like, what would have been the backup song for that nineties comp for you? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. We did do that. What's my age again? Cover. That was. Isn't that a nineties song? That is a nineties song. Yeah. So I mean, we not, couldn't have done the 2000s. No, but that would have been the backup. Uh, what would have been no, the I think song for me. Oh, I see. Yeah. Burnout would be my guess by Green Day. That would be a good one. Probably something like that. Probably some easy, easy pick. They're like, oh, we grew up listening to this. And everyone like, we, 
Right. Right. Religion. We've covered both <laughs> by the descendants. Oh, yeah. yeah. That would have been it. Yeah. Well, they're that in sub four now. So but is that 80s? Yeah, that's 80s. That's, that's true. Too. That's 80s. Oh, yeah. But they're also in sub four now. Stuart in the Avenue, yeah. maybe? Yeah. Another yeah. cover we've done live. I mean, there was a certain point where, like, there's always like two theories of covers, right? Like the obscure, deep cut cover or the cover of like a well-known song that you do well or put a spin on. That's true. And like, there was a moment as a band where I was like, oh, we can just, we have like the equipment, the ability, the mixing and mastering uh, talent on hand. We can just cover the, a good song, like a hard, like just cover like a cheesy radio song if we wanted to and like make it sound interesting at least, you know? And like, so I felt pretty good about doing Jimmy Eat World and Blink Lady Zero's cover choices when we had those chances. And like, I would, I would never be like, oh, let's try to make something more unique or more interesting than their version of it. Cause they're already pretty basic songs. So like, I mean, but the, the Blink 182 one we did, we like layered a bunch of Rips that no, we are can't not, not do the stupid shit that we do anyway. Uh, to the point you're making, I probably would choose to do just for my own like hit ego. Yeah. Like, oh, let's do a like, really obscure song from Cheshire Cat. We did a deep cut Death Cab cover for a B side for the album mm -hmm. when we did two singles for the album, and like nobody listened to that shit. So yeah, that's usually like the least amount of plays out of. I got one person's like, "This is so cool that you did this." I was like, "Oh yeah, we did that." Like I forgot. <laughs> Nobody likes that. Yeah. But that'll be on the cover comp too. So that everybody listens to. Sweet. Uh, do you have any ideas as to like when the cover comp's gonna come out? Just sometime later in 2023? Yeah, we were gonna try to no get it before the EP, but now I think that the EP is very like it's, it's so close now. that it's like, yeah, we might just be like, hey, the EP we've been working on for two years is done and have it just be the cover EP and never release this. That EP. was what we were gonna do. I don't know if it was both done the same week, <laughs> it's an actual level. I don't want to cut away from getting people to buy the tape. Yeah, and a no. T-shirt that just says "Buy the Tape." <laughs> no, I mean, but uh, we've always been really against like uh, trying to like game the system or like market ourselves in a way that's like smart. So who knows? Like maybe we'll find a stupid way to release it. Like release it in like a like if you beat me at Fortnite, then you can have it or something. Yeah, um, something. we'll figure sure. something out. Okay. Yeah. I'm not good at Fortnite either, so that'd be I mean, I'll get the disco kid login and then <laughs> I'll just put it out myself in like June, probably. It's happened before. Um one one last thing that I for sure wanted to bring up uh for this EP is um obviously there's some good uh sound clips in there uh that do really well. Um but on uh White Guy Email you actually have a feature. Uh, by Gabby, and I'm going to probably butcher the last name, so I'm not even going to try and say the last name just to be, but Gabby from Afloat. Yeah. Uh, um, and Tether. And, sorry, what? Uh, that's her other band, Tether. Tether? Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, thought it was a, a great choice to put it in there. Like, it, it having, like, those backing vocals to kind of play off of each other, uh, I thought worked really well. And plus, like, you know, it's, it's a you know, it's a good old uh, wholehearted song making fun of, uh, as you guys said, yourselves uh, with being emo guys. Um, and what more would you want in a song talking about your ex than just those 
gang vocals with a, a female voice to yeah. kind of just solidify it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we never really know what the fuck we're going to do when we start doing it. Like, there's like maybe, I would say it's at least in the minority of times that we do it where we're like, this is the map for the song. And we just got to follow through the map. Like, most of the time it's like, uh, I got this riff, you got this chord progression, that kind of thing. We change keys to make a match or whatever. Um, but that song felt like it was a little, like if I, we wrote that song originally titled Fast Song Rouch because we were too fucked up and we titled it wrong. It was supposed to be rough. <laughs> so it was like really in the dirt and we like picked it up and we're like, hey, this is a good chord progression. Like, so we worked on it and then, uh, yeah, I just had like this like sensation about like, uh, you know, feeling like a groundhog's day with, with the emo scene, like it, We've been playing music locally at least for a long time and like with bands before this and stuff. And it does feel like there's these like motions you go through where like everyone does the same performative shit all the time and whatever. And like I felt like in the middle of that song, I wrote the like what I considered to be like the hook. And I was like, what's who are the coolest musicians we played with? during the process of working on this. And we played a show with a float at the pharmacy in Philly, which is like a small coffee shop venue. But they have like a cool ass stage as well in South Philly. And like, I had a good time at that show. It was a fun show, great bands. And like, I don't know, we just kind of became friends with the float and uh, Kathy and them. We like, what are, what are the shows that we play with them? We play at least one more, I think, I forget, but. Well, we played their, at her venue. Their new guitarist is also in Driving Under Water, oh, yeah, that's who we true. played with. So Gabby was at yeah. one of our shows that we played with Driving Under Water. That was at like an outdoor skate park. So yeah. um, I just found myself after like we played with the float and saw them like come to one of our shows that they didn't play. I was like uh, checking out like all their releases on Spotify, and I just kept listening to um their single fake nice uh i know our guitarist vince really likes that song too and i was just like we should we should just ask her if she wants to do like a feature and it was like well like Gaimo, it's like a, like vince and i thought like this song is a little on the nose lyrically like i was like maybe it'd be good to like have somebody come on and like you know lend us a little credibility so that it's not just like too on the nose and my my take on it was also just that uh like we're allentown kids in philadelphia first and foremost like and like these are some jersey punks and like their scene is sick and like i love seeing that shit bleed into philadelphia and i wouldn't want i wouldn't want like to just feature someone without being like this person is a hard motherfucker. Like, honestly, I was like, damn, Gabby is like running that shit and it's so sick. And uh, okay, you know, the thing that cracked me up is like someone reviewed that song and they're like, with Minescu on the high vocals. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. I've, I've been a bass. No, yeah, that's pretty funny because uh, 
like I'm screaming above you and Gabby is also singing in a higher register than you on it. So yeah, it's basically a bit. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, no, yeah, we, we had our we own song. We originally had a, um, a plan to have another feature on it, but it just never ended Did up it? panning out. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, I guess that'll be the only feature that's actually on the yeah. EP. We just, oh, yeah. yeah we just put a bunch of um, uh, samples over it that in like places where it's like, maybe this would have been a feature earlier, but now we're just going to patch in a sample. So Gabby runs a venue uh, in, what is it, Merchantville, New Jersey, right? Yeah. Called Old, Old Post. Post 22. And we played there. We and, played the first show there. Yep. And I was talking to Gabby about the release structure and how it was going and whatever and i was like i was like i would have loved to have you in the music video when we did the music video for like i email and she was like why didn't you and i was like i thought it'd be annoying to like get over there last second while we were all like trying to chase down our own bandmates and being sweaty in those goddamn funny suits and whatever right. and i didn't even think about it i was like fuck i'm an idiot i didn't even text it whatever but yeah Nah, no, but yeah, she skates, and it would have been funny to see her do some ass and skates. So. <laughs> Probably, yeah, yeah she's doing great work. Uh, she like started a, a collective that like does booking in um, South Jersey called the Head Above Water Collective. So go check them out. Um, sure, she books at two different venues um, Gideon's Basement. Uh, Gideon is the name of the dog that lives in oh. that house. And also Old Post 22. When so you're there, go to the Philly Diner. <laughs> the Philly Diner. P-H-I-L-Y. L-I-E. No. No, really? It's no, just yeah. one Y? Yeah. Okay. The one L, rather? One L, L and the one. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah. No, we love New Jersey. It's funny as hell. It's like bizarre <laughs> Philadelphia. Yeah, like the, the Philly to New Jersey, like, there's that, like, you know, if I'm looking at a map, there's like a giant circle around all of that. And there's so many great bands, like, like we talked about earlier, like Philly bands are, are killing it, but there's also so many great bands from New Jersey. Um, like we're talking about like a float, uh, driving underwater, uh, you know, wave break, um, dits, I think it's from New Jersey. There's like so many great musicians and bands in that whole area that like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. And I, I think I should just really turn this podcast into just like a Philly, New Jersey podcast. I feel like I've had like I feel like eighty percent of my episodes are all just that region. And to be honest, I'm okay with it. Yeah, no, I'm really happy. We're really lucky to be around a lot of really good bands and good musicians. Keeps me from people. moving away, man. You know, yeah. yeah, keeps me paying that that toll to get out of New Jersey, going and seeing. The <laughs> yeah, I don't even complain about like, the soda tax anymore. No well, Got the oh, like on. Um, on the 27th, I'm heading to Jersey to see um, Silithus, Massanera, and Trustball are all playing together in Glassboro, so that'll be a good show. Flash John, New Jersey. <laughs> so Dylan actually used to live in Pittsburgh also. It's true, yeah. So and like back when, to band practice back when our album was being worked on, I would like drive from Pittsburgh to Philly for like shows or like recording stuff, so glad to live in the city now and not have to do that so b besides the commute what what's 
Which city is the the better city, Philly or Pittsburgh? Oh, uh, Philly's shit. better, but uh, Cheats is better than Walmart. So. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, I actually kind of agree. Yeah. Was the boom boom sauce? That shit. Depends on the time. Yeah. I mean, it later you're in Cheats. I'm more Cheats. I almost like I yeah I don't know wow what a monumental question. I'm getting in a big over going to Walla. If I'm getting drunk cheeseburgers, I'm going to Sheets. <laughs> yeah, if you're getting any anything that's fried, you want to go to drunk Sheets. cheeseburgers with a side of Reese's. Side, oh, <laughs> depending on how far this depends. Go. Yeah, it depends how far outside of Pittsburgh. I've been pitching this uh, asinine idea lately that. Did seem to pick up a little bit of steam as a joke, which is the Pennsylvania tour. Try to hit like, like do a circle around Pennsylvania and then come back. Yeah, I just hit up like the one band that I knew that yeah. lives in Scranton. I, I saw that and I have someone I want to hit up too. So, okay. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. PA tour, Booz Radley. Yeah. You'll never see us again. I promise. <laughs> the the Scranton. State College, Lancaster, Philly, Pittsburgh, Erie, Westchester. I mean, Scranton's basically uh, Westchester. Like, I mean, that just reminds oh, me of Fort Worth. No, you're playing in Dallas. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah, that just reminds me of like uh, when people post like, oh, we're going on tour, but it's just like two of the states are in like their same county, basically. <laughs> and like the other one's just like the next town over. All right, but yeah. what about this? I did that on the other side of the country. That's true. <laughs> I, did a, I did a 10-day tour. Like yeah, days. I was like, it's a, like, it was every show was within like three or four hours, but it was on the other side of the country, so it's a tour. Yeah, but okay. I, I flew there. <laughs> a 20-day tour, but only in your own state. <laughs> That's kind of cool, though, because if you really do, if you, if you do like 20 and 30 days, and you try to get, 30 days. Yeah, well, I don't like spending 30 days. Like that sounds like a campaign strategy. We're, we're going to tour 67 days, 67 counties. Yeah. We're, we're, we're donations. Who's rather for governor of Pennsylvania? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but if you do a tour like just within a small area, you can kind of hit up all like the really five, cool five venues. Five to seven days. All the cool, like small DIY spots yeah. in a spot. That you There's know, never been a place I've been in PA where I haven't been able to find at least one cool person. And that's all it takes for me to have fun stuff. I mean, that's all. That's the number of people that come to all of our shows. <laughs> <laughs> We're yeah. using a computer from like uh, 1999, so it's a little rickety. Yes. But okay, like all good. The sound is back and better now, so yeah. I can turn down it. Turn it down on my end. I don't yeah. know what's going on. You have a restaurant in Philly that's only got like four branches, but it's called Hip City Veg, which is the most obnoxious fucking thing I've ever seen. But they do have the best fake vegetarian Big Mac that I've ever had. So it's like kind of how it is. You're like, oh, no, I got out of this for a reason. (laughs) Since we got on this conversation of food, obviously y'all are in Philly. Philly cheesesteak, as everyone knows, you know, is a staple of Philly. How do you guys feel about it? Do you think it's I'm, obviously it depends on where you go. I mean, yeah. I Alex and I are both vegetarians, so we're probably not the people to ask on the matter. Um, if you want a vegan cheesesteak, I'd check out Tattooed Moms. Pretty good. I've lived here so long that I used to not be a vegetarian, so. Hmm. 
Uh, I'm a Geno's guy first. Oh, we did Geno's back. Yeah. I'm a Geno's guy over Pats for sure. I think the racism is very like um, provincial, you know? It makes it feel like you're in a small town when you're getting your cheesesteak and uh, the meat's bigger chunks or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, Delosandros and Chubby's is the more interesting uh, beef between cheesesteak places across the street from each other. I recently, maybe a year or so ago, this is a long cheesesteak answer, by the way, but I found out like a year or so ago that what I like as a cheesesteak is known as a pizza steak in Philadelphia because I come from Allentown. And uh, yeah. Allentown apparently has its own regional cheesesteak, go figure, which is, in my opinion, just Philadelphians being the same old pieces of shit that they always are, which is like, oh, you can't be part of our cheesesteak because you're from Allentown, on Google, like you're a like, whole hour away. But so it's marinara sauce, provolone, fine chip beef, pickles. That's the, the Allentown cheesesteak, I suppose. But like there, that's atrocious here in Philadelphia. So. And only I only found one place that served that here in Philly, and it shut down. So uh-huh. <laughs> it was near a skate park, though. Never people. stood a chance. Like the best. But yeah, I mean, gyms is fine. Uh, they're all good. The best cheesesteak is no, the one you can get within good. 90%, I'd say. Most of the ones I've had have been they're pretty all good. good. So the best cheesesteak. Yeah. yeah, the best cheesesteak is whichever one you can find within five, ten minute walk of where you are. And also, probably like from what I've learned from a few different spots that like I've gone to eat, don't go to the places that have signs up that say like "best cheesesteak in town" because those ones are usually like really shitty anyways. Go to the ones that don't have any signs advertised. You got to try and find that door, and you aren't even sure if you're supposed to fucking be in that spot. And then that's probably where you're gonna find the best one. The worst. I can tell you the worst cheesesteak I ever had, which was. uh, from like a poppy store off Temple's campus like 10 years ago. I'm with our other bandmate Vince and he's like, let's just go get breakfast or lunch or whatever. I'm like, all right, sure. And we go and we get in this place and they're like, salt, pepper, ketchup. And I'm like, what? Those are my condiment choices? <laughs> Bad meat, salt, pepper, and ketchup. I was like, onions and peppers. They're like, you want onions, peppers, pop? I'm like, anything really besides ketchup on my cheesesteak and then i've come to find that the normal cheesesteak in philadelphia is typically if you put anything on it it's usually a little bit of ketchup and i was like this city is backwards i'm close to this place but damn i will never catch up with it that's for sure so marinara uh whiz provolone don't care marinara steak and onions it's nothing else that's all i want at least i always recommend delisandros or chubbies to people that are from out of town tony luke's tony luke's is funnier now that they broke up and yeah there's tony's and luke's now yeah (laughs) getting in on the the you know the mean cheesesteak fight thing going on john's oh god the home depot sausage place though i hear is fire in Philly. There's a sausage place at the Home Depot in South Philly on Columbus. That's yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That Wait, place no, John's, is fire. John's. Yeah. That, that has probably one of the best sandwiches ever had in the city. Yeah. And there's a 20 Luke's. There's an Ikea right there. there. There's an Ikea right yeah. there. They serve the uh, the Swedish bean balls instead of meatballs if you want them to. Okay. 
he covered the bases. Yeah, we're a booby man, so what are you going to do? I mean, I love it. Like that was the, the that's like one of the best things about being on tour. Uh, aside from like being out on the road with your friends, is just like trying food from like places that you're never even gonna probably get back to at some point. Yeah. Um, like I've talked about it on many episodes. I I'm very much miss uh, sheets and uh, cookouts and just like a lot of the good spots in the south uh, from from that time. Yeah. That's the best spots, best parts. That is true. It's just, you know, the, uh, I would be lying if I said, like, like I, I did a semester abroad or whatever, and, like, halfway through, I was like, I miss real bagels or cream cheese. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck. Like, but, you know, you find other things that you fall in love that kind of fill the gap, you know? Right. What was it like? Jordan England. How was the food there? Terrible. Have you ever flown across the pond or outside of the country? Uh, I've gone to Central America a few times. My my dad's from there, but I've never gone like to like Europe or anything like that. I don't think now is the time to go. <laughs> there's a war there. I so hear. You went to a place where the food was good, there. and you went to a place where the food was eh. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay. Parents... I, I go to. I, I used to go to Syria a bunch. My family's from there too, and that's I feel the same way. I've been to Europe a couple of times. I'm like, there's spots where the food's good. There's spots where the food's good. The best Europe food in, in London yeah. was Indian food for sure. Yeah. yeah. 100%. They come from here. We have such a melting pot of good food. Especially if you're in a city. It's like music and food. Good music, good food, good people. I like some That's European good. music. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah. French, French screamo. For some reason, that language really buckles. Dude, Russian. <laughs> Russian hip hop. Russian. That phrase makes me dizzy. Russian. Yeah. And Russian like death metal or heavy metal. That's one of the gnarliest breakdowns I ever heard. I believe it. I mean, their email is better because they have they they just know depression on like a more like a more visceral level. Yeah. It's not a white guy, you know, it's like... Yeah, right? No! <laughs> it's albino. It's emo. <laughs> Siberian emo. Yeah. Uh, no, that, that was really cool that you liked the uh, EP, though. Like, I've been pretty, like, self-conscious about it because uh, we've had some luxury with, like, the quality of our recordings just from, like, happenstance and, like, you know, I this is something that irks me in a weird personal way, but... Uh, as kids, Vince and I grew up like hardcore on welfare with single moms and shit. And like we're like we're learning guitar on like guitars with like five out of six strings and shit. Like that's how it goes, you know, like white trash bullshit. So then we finally get to go to college and like we're like that's a privilege in its own, but we get to go to community college and college, learn to record music and shit. And then like our friends back home, some of them I remember when we we did our EP, they're like, this is like the best quality recording any of our friends' bands has ever done. And I was like, yeah, now if only, if only the music sounded good. <laughs> like, to be set. Like, so we did a great job, I think, in some ways recording the album, but we didn't know everything you're supposed to do ahead of time when it comes to like doubling vocals, tracking drums correctly, all that stuff. We didn't use a click for any of the drum tracks on the album. So that was a mistake. Like, there's a lot of things we learned through the process, so this is the first time we've recorded something with, like, a lot of the lessons we learned from fucking other shit up, so 
and then like now we get to do it again, but harder, I guess, is the idea. Mm -hmm. So it meant a lot that you were like, this sounds pretty sick. I was yeah. like, yeah, finally, I, I agree. <laughs> took this long, it took almost 10 years to figure out how to record music without anyone telling you. Yeah, we have done pretty much all of our releases with the exception, I think, of drums for the album and the EP. Everything we've recorded and done and mixed, um, yeah. mostly mixed ourselves. I mean, so I'm not against using a studio. We had our own studio for a little while, and then, but our friend in uh, Bethlehem, Shards uh, Recording, they're yeah. based in Bethlehem, PA. They are, they just have a very unique space. It's like a big mechanics garage with like a pointed roof. Mm. Like they've gone through so much trouble to like sound treat it, and it just sounds awesome yeah. when we record there. But like, we only go there just to, we're like, give us all the drum tracks, we'll come back to reamp if we need to. And they're like, <laughs> We know what we're dealing with and stuff. Right. You see family and whatever. Last time we did it, was a fucking blizzard. It was wild. Yeah, that was kind of cool. What was it? Not a blizzard. What is it called when it hits? So it's a squall. Squall. Oh, yeah. I think I saw. Uh the video it's like squall uh, i can't remember what tag you put on it but you squall as like in place of like all yeah uh, it is work yeah. yeah that's what it was we went to get coffee a little break and then like literally, literally paid for coffee turned around to leave and it was just <laughs> going crazy outside so but no, they do awesome work up there and they've also been like getting involved with the bethlehem public library and like expanding like the whole community's access to the ability to record music and shit like that's what we're that's more than anything i think that's what we're mostly about is like making sure that anyone who wants to do this kind of stuff should be able to try you know yeah it shouldn't be kept out i'm not a big gatekeeping person myself i don't fuck with gatekeepers that's for sure Hell yeah. well uh as we kind of transition to the later half of this episode um, obviously, we, we, you know, we're finishing up talking about the EP, uh, Lose Badly. Uh, it's, I mean, it's still, it's such a great name uh, for an EP. Uh, but like we've kind of mentioned, it's kind of like a, you know, kind of like a little, uh, I feel like Dylan, you might have put it best. Like, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was like a, like a mixtape or like a soundtrack as, as to what Booze Radley is uh is was and is coming up to be um so definitely everyone be sure to check it out is there anything that i might not have brought up or you guys want the people to know about with this ep or booze radley in general uh you kind of nailed it honestly. yeah yeah we got the ep coming out in march the cover ep coming out tbd the lp2 coming out probably 2024 and um we'll have a bunch of shows lined up in interspersed throughout all of them so just keep your eyes peeled keep your ears open and click our fucking links in our <laughs> my my roommate uh tom Lynch used to say uh what was it keep your mind open and your mouth shut there, there, you, there you go they got your little scenes and uh mm -hmm. you know work with each other you know, I was like, like, whenever I think, like, when I think about this EP, one of the things is like this band itself, too, is kind of like it's a band that we play, but it's also like a passion project where we're doing everything we can ourselves. It's easier for us than some people, even because we're doing it 
the business, like for how we hang out. Yeah, this is like, yeah, you know, like, how like, would we be friends? Like, playing, we like music and we like going to shows and hanging out with people. And I'm not that. picking like, up first play your bands and have your fun, but also support your local scene and go support your friends and hang out and yeah, bring each other up, work with your music, local friends and musicians. And, have fun. Make friends. Make friends and have fun. I saw, I was I was listening to something about this and then I saw the stats and I was like, uh, like there's like a 30% decrease in amount of time that people spend with their friends since like 2010. And I was just like, yo, like that's a stat for sure. It's a stat. It doesn't mean anything as a stat, but like, I was like, what's the reality of that outcome where you're like, more isolated than ever, more like, like sort of siloed into online communication and interaction and shit. Like, I don't know, it doesn't, I was, I was talking to someone about this like months ago and like in our small town, like, like Allentown, Bethlehem, Eastern, whatever, we had like moments where shit would go down in a scene that was not good. Like someone be an asshole, get drunk and fucking key someone's car. There'd be fucking fights. There'd be serious things like sexual assault, misconduct, stuff like that. That like a 16-year-old in your area doesn't understand at all the the implications of what you're talking about. And like the, luckily for us, the adults, the adults, the 18-year-olds and up in our area would like have like conversations with crowds that came to shows they would like host like workshops to talk to people they would do all that kind of stuff just to like actually actualize all this if that's horrible that's always happened educate and take care yeah. of the local scene and your friends and like we're so fucking lucky that we came out of that scene i'm starting to realize i used to think that every scene was like that and then I've slowly grown to realize that it's not the case. You know? Oh yeah, to have grown up in the Lehigh Valley when like Slingshot Dakota was still local so and like snowing was blowing up and to like be able to like while in high school just go to like a Friday show and like see Sprainerd for five bucks is just like insane how well curated our, our local scene was with like Square of Opposition records putting out the people that like, were doing the hard you know, work. fourth wave classic albums um and like educating the the younger teenagers on like what you need to do to like not just be a good person but to also be like somebody who's conscious of like what propagates a healthy scene and like how to keep it going be uh, a good influence yeah was just like super influential and like we can only hope that uh more of that that you know we don't add anything negative to a scene and um can like you know lend a hand to anybody younger than us that's like trying to get involved in it and you know is excited to participate and that nobody gets shut out so you know check our stuff out but also just like check stuff out that your friends are doing and like just go out and support it that's uh what it's all about because like really we're just here to have a good time with our friends and make some new ones along the way so thank you so much for having us on and uh we're booze rat
Well, we're not done yet. We're almost there. Anyway, what's the last segment? No, what's the fan stuff? We got a little off track. Yeah, so uh, the last segment here on uh, this episode, obviously, is just the fun segment. This is where we kind of just tell, uh, we kind of shift it from uh, these little heart-to-hearts that we're having to uh, some fun stories from you guys' time of music, whether it's shows, tours, uh, time recording. Uh, think about it like the, the stories that you always reminisce about with your friends. Um, and as I normally say, they could be anything horrendous to tremendous or any adjective in between. Okay. All right. So, yeah, so my like, story is from when we were first tracking the demos for the EP. Uh, it was EP, like, yeah, it was like oh, the heat no, of lockdown. No. And um, like Alex had just come up with the idea for uh, for one of the songs on the EP, Crash and Burn. And we just had like, he had like the verse and the chorus part written. So he tracked it. And then like during these sessions, it was just like every weekend we'd get together and we were kind of like each other's pod. So like we were the only people that we were seeing outside of like our bedrooms during like the height of COVID. And um, they don't have a virtual Tinder data back then. We would cut. We would come down and uh, and like he tracked the song, but we would just like you know go puff like a bunch of alcohol and like smoke a bunch of weed, do some Adderall to stay awake and like be able to still track to it. Like and uh, <laughs> One time the next LSD, morning, yeah. the next morning, Alex wakes up and he's like, "What did you guys do to my song?" Like you added like three different outros to it, and none of them sound anything like. The actual song and i was like alex you wrote all of those parts <laughs> like we put you in the recording chair when you were blackout drunk and you just sat there for like four hours tracking all of these parts and and, and he was just like i don't remember any of that sounds kind of cool i guess so, so, like so, so uh that's the reason that crash and burn has three different outros <laughs> i honestly really did believe that y'all were like like jokingly nicely in a nice way gaslighting me to like mess with me no like i was like oh yeah i wrote all of them of course i did ha 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 and they're like no you wrote i'm like okay guys this is getting kind of boring like i get it i didn't write it you guys went with the song in a different direction whatever like no you wrote all that and i was like i don't remember any of that i don't know how do i play it that was the next question honestly was like, well, then I figured out how to play the the bass to it in unison with your guitar part. I was like, well, I learned it at like six in the morning, so here's how you play it. I learned yeah. that one guitar riff at practice when we were, when we were playing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's you the taught thing. it to me, and then still had to learn it at the. Yeah. So a lot of this stuff is pretty, pretty. Drum. That's probably why it sounds so times. good. But then we also have to like actually learn it and learn it. To play yeah, that's another thing with the EP where it's just like you listen to a song and it's like, oh, we were on this substance when we wrote this one. It's like, and this one when we wrote this I one. This one's a little bit spacey. This one's a little bit fast. For the album, this one I never was got like, to the point. For the album, I was like basically sober when I wrote like skeletons of most of those songs. And like, I don't know. They're not as fun, so you know, fuck that shit. <laughs> well. 
I, I did write a lot of a, like our first EP and stuff. I wrote a bunch of it when I was like fucking having a panic attack living in a different country, just riding a double decker bus around England with I, I made the really smart choice as a person who's never aspiring to be a pro skateboarder to bring a skateboard, not my guitar. I picked one. I have I literally held them both in my hands with like skateboard, guitar, skateboard, guitar. And I picked skateboard and I brought that to England and I was like, it rains 24 hours a day. <laughs> there you go. He's a loud dog in general. He was another feet. another fun one was we were in Pittsburgh and we got an Airbnb as a group, as a band. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was a pretty creepy Airbnb. You remember that place? It wasn't that creepy. It had that like unobservable basement. There was that basement, yeah. Oh, I left. That was in the winter in yeah. Pittsburgh. And I had left my uh, the sunroof open. In the car that in the SUV I was driving to take all the band stuff, and I didn't, I totally forgot about it. And it was morning, and I was like, oh, it's fine. We'll get up slowly. We had like a long night, and we'll get in the car, it'll be fine. And I get in there, and the car is like 22 degrees. This is the dumbest move I ever did. For, for those who asked, I would say that because Dylan drove from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia for band practice, Close to weekly or bi-weekly. Yeah. I think that means it counts as a local show, in my opinion. Yeah. I would say so. At least 20% local. Yeah. I'd say like 40%. But uh yeah, no, that night um it was oh yeah, it was, was dur- cool until it was wondered, during yeah. the primaries of 2020, and like Bernie mm-hmm. had just won like Nevada, uh, yeah, and, and we're, it was just it was like in between Nevada and South Carolina, and I was just like, "This might happen." That yeah, all of us were just like really hopeful, feeling real good. No COVID, <laughs> no anti-communism, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, reality came back to yeah. bite us. But you know what? We bite back, so it'll be fun. You know, it's a rough Oh, yeah. Oh, geez. We oh, had, geez, we, we had, had so, a show where we played in uh, Connecticut, and the, our guitarist slept through the show. Our guitarist couldn't make it, and we had to drive up to Connecticut. So this we, is what I mean about not being allowed to kick out any members, is that, like, <laughs> everybody makes mistakes. We've been, a, we've been a band, at least the five of us have been in this since 29 years, 2014, I think. So, like, in those nine years, you have nine years of life, and and decisions and mistakes. Before I and was those mistakes the- get kicked out of a band, but then we're just like, no, no, you just now you of, have to make it to the band. A weaker <laughs> band would have died. Yeah. Sooner, but yeah. Before we were in a band, I actually or a smarter band would have died. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But that's the fun of it. That's yeah, I can't really argue with that one. Like, I don't, I don't. Being smart means you have to be aware of the problems of the world, even if you choose to ignore but them. But the Sarah House show, though. I don't remember what was interesting about that one. I joined the band in... in oh, is this your first show? At the, no, at the this was... We played... This was, like, near the end of summer of 2014, which was about the year... I joined the beginning of that. And they had an album out. Dylan played bass, but Dylan was living in Pittsburgh, so I jumped in on bass. And there was there was a bunch of... There was a bunch of songs from the EP, and we were writing an album, but there was, like, a five-song set that we played. And we oh. played this five-song set over and over and over and over again. And it was the tightest set that we had. And it was the most amazing thing. We would get up there. It was like a 25 to 30 minute power set. And we killed it every night. And then we got really cocky. 
and we get to this house show. It's, a, it's one of our friends' birthday party at the Sriracha house of Gerard. Maybe I blocked this out of my memory. Yeah, it's a good reason, good reason too. <laughs> because we got, we got, because it was a friend's birthday, so it wasn't just like a show. We got kind of fucked up. And then we got, after kind of fucked up, we got really fucked up. But, and it was, <laughs> so we go downstairs, like we start playing, but not everybody had uh, tuner, uh, and tuners for the, for the guitars, like pedal tuners. So oh, some no, of us no. tuned, one person tuned to their, because we're beyond drum. I think that our one guitar, Vince tuned to his own guitar off of like the fifth fret. And then you tuned to Vince's guitar and I tuned to Dylan's keys, which is actually in key. But we never know. tuned with each other. So we played this set where like the music itself was tight, but you look at people's faces like, and they're like, eh, this kind of <laughs> weird. And they started like slowly walking up. And that's and how I, we I imagined the half the time. The girl I was dating at the time, and just like look at each person walking by and look at me, you're like, eh. I'm like, I can't believe this, but we're already halfway through, so let's just fucking finish it. That was a disaster because that was after a string of like some of the best shows we ever did. I didn't realize that, but that rules, and I think we should do that again at least once. You know? Yeah, tune is two and a half guitars to one tuning, half. We did it, we did it. Wait, we did it once again. No, we didn't, we weren't out of tune. You just practiced the song a half step oh, down. Nice. And then didn't turn around to the band to say that we were playing a half step down. So we all played a half so, step up from So here's <laughs> at the end of the day, uh, I love my friends and I hate anyone that likes our music. Because if they like our music. And at the end of the day, I hate my friends and I love anyone that likes our music. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. What would you say? Is the most influential show that you've ever been to that you've like oh now we're not just never, the engine no not even performed that but like that you've seen you guys too answer that. i'll answer what's well, like one not maybe not most influential but maybe memorable like a show that sticks out in your mind that you've been to one of one of my most memorable shows uh so such gold is like one of my favorite bands oh, and yeah. it was the first first yeah. time seeing them it was uh it was a story so far and stick to your guns co-headline tour of like 2013 2014 yeah so it was it was those two rotting out was on it such gold uh I, there was one other band i can't remember and then i think souvenirs opened the show for our date and yeah. i mean first time experiencing rotting out and i was already up front so like that was intense uh but like i always think about that show because the my favorite venue back home is like maybe like probably like a 500 cap room and like it was ass packed like they have like string lights on the ceiling and all of those were like half hanging down by the end of the show people uh, were hanging from the rafters it was yeah. fucking phenomenal yeah. you know what i that's the thing is like even i like we've we've done a couple shows where we like packed capacity and i was like this is the best day of my life no day from here on out will ever be better and then we played shows where it's been like negative capacity, like somehow, like the bartender leads halfway through the show or something. But like, uh, it feels really good to see that shit. But when a show's really good, the audience feels good about being there. They're like, I'm in a place and a time, I'm seeing something. And like, I've never, I have never performed at that level. And I would like to someday if I'm if I'm capable. I don't know, but that shit is sick. Like when you know you're like I'm at a historic show right now, and like 
for that example, I would say yeah, the queers and bomb the music industry oh. in Wilkes Barre, PA. That shit was insane. Like that, that, awesome. that show was absolutely. I've seen some, um, like I've seen shows that other people would die to see, but that was like the craziest show I've ever seen in my life. It was just so like, it was like, what if the '80s punk rock never died? Mm. Yeah. I was like, fuck, we have a large mantle to carry, but we're not doing a good job with it. So. Getting to see a warehouse show where my friend played with Kimia Dawson and Paul Baraboo was That's pretty sick. cool. Oh, and see your friends on a big stage is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Me so, and Paul yeah. Baraboo are friends on Instagram. And we want to see Jesus Peace or Do you did you see Jesus Peace when they played around here before they do a semi-cancel band, dude? Like, Wait, when he brought up like his friend band opening, I just think of like there's this little there's this geeky part. There's a part of me that's like, oh, you guys think you were there in the beginning, you think you're so cool, but then there's a deeper part of me that's like, I saw this band like when they did their EP release and they're small. So there's sometimes when I see Jesus Beast, I'm just like, I saw you. Anyway, I've seen a bunch uh, of bands that like yeah, I, when, you see I, your, when you see people that you like play with or seen during the blow up, it's kind of. Like, I rode I rode the bus in London with a uh, basement mm. and they were riding the, cool. they were riding the bus with us because we were with some cute American girls that were well aged you know like we were in college so we were like trying to play with these girls these girls were interested because the band was a good band and they were attractive young men so and they're like they're like coming about and I remember turning to one of the members of basement being like Yo, your set was fucking sick. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, mate. And he turns around. He's like, oh, I see. Yeah, but for real, yeah. if you were in that position, would you do the same thing? I hope not. I say that too. I say like, oh, I'm going to be like really chill. But if I was in a position where I just played a killer show and I'm single and I'm out there and there's a girl that's like, hey, I'll be like, hey, thanks for the compliment anyway. So yeah, you're going to do that? You're not going to turn around and talk to me about my weird, perverse fascination with your artwork? No, I probably would give you a little time, to be honest, but I would also send my time. Uh, I mean, it is, <laughs> honest, but that was a cool time. And like, I've seen other cool bands and stuff. Like, one of my favorite things, something that's super important to me is that my godfather, who is the person that introduced me to a skateboard for the first time, is uh, Square of Opposition's first release, which is fun. So unfortunately, he passed away from like a leg embolism a couple of years ago, and like that sucked. But um, you know, if my mom had died first, he would have been my dad, basically. Is how that goes. The Godfather's dead. But when I was like four, they took me to a show at a local venue in our hometown called the Fun House, which is like a dump, absolute punk rock dump. It's also my favorite place to go play and see music. He still lives in that room, so it yeah. is, it's fun. It's like his- I album. moved back to that room. Yeah. For Philly people, it's his L bar, you know? It's my L bar. But- um, you see, when I was in Philly, L bar was my L bar, and then I went back to that room. Yes. But the, my the first show, with all the cool bands that play. My That's where you go meet all the local, like, you just hang out with musicians and just no, I've even show seen, up on a Thursday night after work and just see three other people from different bands walking. Hey, how are you? Maybe the, the highest show, first place to be. 
highest playing paying show we ever played was there. Probably. Yeah, they have yeah. a good spot. They have a good. They it's have a good, a good location, setup. and and but um, They're that was where I went to my first punk rock show, house. like at like eight years old, and I was just like this. I don't, I I don't think I was like eight years old. Like I'm gonna use this one day. I think I was like nine, and I was like, well, I can't imagine not doing something like this. You yeah. know, <laughs> basically, yeah, I have to get into it. Yeah. What was it? I say mine. Yeah. I think it was my first my first show ever was in Philly at the TLA. It was plus 44. Mm-hmm. And the match is opening. And I was a I was the a Blake 182. It was my favorite band. It was like every mother most of my age. It's my favorite band. It got me into it. And it was plus 44 score. And it was just this moment. It was the first time I'd ever actually been to like a concert or show like that. And it was cool and weird. And you got out like on South Street. You don't know what's going on. Syrian Mormon. Yeah, I grew up Mormon. I grew up with a Syrian kind of Christian conservative family. So it was like I'm 14 years old in the city. It's a punk rock show. You're on South Street. It's a really it's kind of a big eye-opening thing. You can say no, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But there was that, but it was, I don't know, it was just kind of cool. That was cool. But um, I have a second question. What's the coolest show you've ever played? There you go. That's my. Dylan and I, I, I don't think this counts because we played terribly, but for me, one of the most interesting ones was Dylan and I played a show with our previous band that was like hosted by a local high school's uh, homecoming. So, like, they have, in where we grew up, you have a big bonfire, right? You know? you stack all these pallets of wood on top of each other and you let them on fire. And like, that's how you celebrate the fact that you're going to kick the other team's ass. Yeah. So we got invited to a school that we don't go to is bonfire to play on a trailer with a generator for the whole time. You played on the whole set. Yeah. That's punk as fuck. No, it wasn't even, it wasn't even a rival school to us. It was just a totally different part of the area. And like, we went like, you know, 25 minutes across our county to go play at this bonfire and we did terribly because it was so cold that I could barely play guitar and then someone was like I'm a marching line drummer and kept trying to jump up with their marching line drum and at one point I was like go ahead and everyone in the band looked at me like what are you doing I was like this is as good as anything else we're doing at this point and like, there's some funny pictures from it, but that was one of the most like surreal. Cause we were playing to like 600 people. Like, cause it's just a huge fucking bonfire. Like these people are subjected to this, but- Is that Daddy Long Legs? No, it was uh, whatever our other one was called. Oh wait, no, anti- no, no, not anti-object. Yeah. It was funny. It was a funny time. Um, other than that, like the coolest actual show that we've played, I'd say, um, We've had some really cool shows at Country Necktie. Jeez. Um, you don't have, like, there's not a show that sticks out to you or two shows, actually? There's a couple. Right, probably, yeah, we we probably have the same one, actually. Like, we played my friend's going away party in his apartment. That was. Is that the one across from Skate Jar? Yeah. Holy shit. That that's fun. a story. Yeah, that's that a story. Uh, we played at this, uh, so was it the Silk Factory? Or the, yeah. so no, it was, it was, it was, it was, no, Silk was on 2nd Street. It was one of the factories that it turned into these beautiful loft apartments. 
And we played a show. They had the band set up in the corner. And the way that this apartment specifically was, you walked in and there's like this huge living room, kitchens right here, huge living room area, some like rooms on the side that with some walls built. And then this like this corner and it's like there's an open corner with windows. So all the bands were setting up in the corner. And we started playing the show and, and it's a it's a it's a loft apartment. So it feels like a venue. It feels like a house show, like it's a huge open spot. Yeah, kinda. And we're playing the show and it's kind of cool. All the bands are cool in school. And we're right in front of the corner, right by the windows. And in between one of the songs, I turn around and talk to them. And right behind us, if you see through the windows, is the skyline of the city. Just perfectly, because there's no other, it's that building and there's skate John and no other building around it. I also graduated college like that day, so I had a bottle of champagne. He showed up with a dope-ass <laughs> bottle of champagne that his, his aunt uncle bought him, something nice. At, and you know, they brought it for you, and you literally opened it, and it was like, everybody drink the champagne before COVID. Everybody drink the champagne, you can do fun shit like that. Everyone drink it, and it's, it's a nice-ass bottle. So we pass it around to the crowd, but you would turn around in the middle of the set, or while you're playing, and just see the skyline. And all the photos are cool because you can see it back there. But that was just like no matter all the shows that I played, I think of all the shows, no matter how big they got, that was one that like hits from home because you're like a little nobody band, and all the people there are like your friends and everyone having a good time. But it's this really really cool fun setup. And bring what you, you can't even like that's what I like about music. It's not like fighting each other for like attention or money or whatever. Right. Like I understand why you do that because like. The bandwidth is so limited for musicians to gain money from what they do. But what I like about it is being like, oh, you're good at this. I can offer you this. This is what I'm able to do. Like, what can we share in like a fun time to hang out together? Can we part have a party where you are like a good cook and I play music, or I'm a good cook and you play music, or whatever it is, you know? That shit's cool to me. It's like that's part of the like advanced beyond this hellish economy that we live in society. But that, we're doing it to make money on the other end, you're doing it to be around people. We never have been able to do it to make money, so I've never really yeah. sweated. But the other thing is like all those basement shows, like the good ones, the bad ones, the ugly ones, the cool ones, the trendy ones, whatever they are. They're also sick because someone's like, yo, I'm gonna risk getting like a huge fine by being yeah. loud as fuck in my house. And I'm like, I'm like, if you'll do that, I'm not gonna run out the back gate when the police show up. Did you, you, you know? I'll you be here. I'll, if you're gonna put on the show, I'll stick, I'll stick around without running, you know. Like one of the coolest maybe like one of the coolest shows. The cops have basically given up on that kind of shit at this point. Now they just like, let you go home, yeah. They're like, oh, well, we don't even really want to deal with the violent offenders either because they're scary. Like, <laughs> 2014, is it either 2013 or 2014 when I moved to the city? And this is when I first was like getting into like a music scene outside of really high valley. And uh, and there was a, so I moved around Temple. There was a house on Temple, like off campus right next to it on 1525 Fontaine called the Red House. And Oceano played. Uh, and like, oh my god, Thursday or a Tuesday or something, and they got through two. So, every, everybody who was in it was like, everybody who was playing that show was hyped because Oceana was there, so it was a stuffed house. So, everybody came and everyone showed up, everyone's in there, all the bands play, everyone's hyped. They get through two songs after two after the second song. The guy who one of the guys who owned the house name came down and was like, Yo, the cops are here, they're just kicking us out. 
but it was this it was just gnarly, gnarly. Like for, I remember for me, like Oceana, even in high school, because this was like three years out of high school for me. Even back then, it was like this band that was on a label and they had songs out, and they're playing in the basement of this house that I used to go to. All I played time. a bunch of shows with bands that went on to be like cool ass bands. That's true. And like that shit would happen like once every four or five times. The cops would show up and break up the shop. Yeah. And well, that, wait, like, that hold on. Two years ago or three years ago, uh, snowing in Bethlehem. Yeah, well, that's. But like, they didn't, the concert, that was just a. That's a whole other thing. It's kind of <laughs> awesome when a band does so well from it and you, you throw the show. What, is this four or five years They were the first up? band I ever saw where they got their show shut down and they were upset about it. It was, it was, like, a, it was a safety. Like, it was a, their show. They did so well. They threw a show they at They didn't so want to get shut down for clout. They were like, fuck. We feel bad because we promised the show that we can't deliver. Yeah, right? and it got so big. Yeah. yeah, and you got too big for your own spot. It's not like, yo, we're too big. We got risk. shut down. Like, yeah. like, fuck, we got shut yeah. down. Like, right. I get that. But but even like, that I had some cool. sides of that whole thing, but. No, I mean, well, that wasn't a noise violation. That no, was, that was the venue floor yeah. was collapsing. Yeah, it's crazy. What about you? Which was if you played there? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I never played any instruments. I was always kind of just merching, and then I I featured. What have you seen? There? Featured uh, to kind of tie back into like seeing like your friends on a, like a big stage. Um, my my friends got to play with uh, with Silverstein right after like we did like a, a a little run. We came home and we had like a week off, and then they played with Silverstein. So that was I was fucking sick. I actually I I bugged that merch guy that they have so much because I was like. You know, I'm just like a 20 something year old kid. I'm like, hey man, you're like on a full tour. Like, how do I get to be you? And then, like, we were just, I I think I just annoyed him enough. And then towards the end of the night, I was like, oh yeah, I'll I'll grab a hoodie. He's like, dude, just fucking take it. Just like, don't talk to me anymore. Like, just just take this. Uh, It was like one size, it was like two sizes too big, but now I've drank a lot and I got fatter. So it fits now. Uh, So that's a plus, you know? So as we wind down here, uh, I want to first start off with giving a big thank you to you three for, you know, reaching out and uh, having some beers with me. Uh, you know, it's always a fun time when, when bands are down to do that. Um, for, you know, for everyone listening, definitely go check out Lose Badly because it's, I mean, it's a great EP. It's a great window into what Booze Bradley uh, is, was, and is going to keep being or could be. And uh, I hope, you know, everyone picks up all those tapes uh, for those color variants. You know, by the time this episode comes out, we should be pretty close to possibly seeing some pictures of them. So definitely go peep them on Instagram. Uh, But speaking of Instagram and all the socials, if anyone's looking for merch, music, or just booze Bradley in general, I know there's the link tree, but like, where can they, where can they find you guys at? Twitter, Tumblr. Instagram, those are the main three. We still have a Facebook, but who uses that anymore? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the streaming services. You can listen to us anywhere on streaming services. You can DM us on Twitter and we'll respond to the manager. You can message us on Facebook and we'll ignore it because I don't understand how to click the right buttons to see those messages. <laughs> Uh, well, you heard it there, and depending on where you found this episode, whether you know it's the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Instagrams, or even now the YouTube, uh, since I'm finally starting to push that because the first three episodes that I recorded, I always count as tests, and they've come out okay. So this is the first one that I'm officially saying, why haven't you checked out the YouTube to see all their, these lovely faces? And uh, 
Let us try to fight the DCMA on it. <laughs> We'll we'll talk. We'll see what happens. Uh, I, I want to give a one quick shout out or three quick shout outs uh, to uh, Jordan Carr over the weather and Lost Leader. I used their koozies on this this episode. If you saw the picture on the Twitter or the Instagram, um, but you know one last big thank you to uh, Booze Radley for stopping by. Um, as I normally say, if you or anyone you know should be on an episode of Beers with Bands, feel free to reach out. Have uh, the email on all the socials, and the or you can DM me on any of the socials, like the great booze where Adley did as well. And we'll sit down, have some beers, talk some nonsense. Um, I mean, but other than that, you know, booze Radley's killing it. Everyone go listen to Lose Badly, and uh, I'll catch everyone on the next episode. See ya. <laughs>